Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the fourth episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to Baina, Johnny, and Cooper of the deathcore band Carcosa about how they wrote their first full-length album, Anthology. So, a little bit about the band and the album. Um, really, It was released on August 18th of last year. It was mixed and mastered by Ty Kingston at Kingston Audio. Uh, It has since then garnered almost a million streams on Spotify, where the band has 45,000 monthly listeners, which is driven in part by uh, Andrew and Johnny's outrageous viral success on TikTok, where they do really hilarious metal meme videos. I highly recommend you check them out over there. Um, And the band was recently featured in a Forbes.com article. So please give a super warm welcome to my guests today, Carcosa from BC, Canada. What's up, boys? (laughs) Hello, Trey, and a fine how do you do? Oh, a fine how do you do as well. I can't believe we got the guy from Epic. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God, here we go. If I had a nickel. (laughs) He did it. (laughs) I'm going to send you a nickel just because I had to do that. Um, Every comment, every fucking comment on the Instagram post with your picture in it, I was like, Oh, you didn't? Who? You, do you know I'm, who Harley is? <laughs> I mean, uh, kinda. It's the sauce boss. Like I have a an idea. I think I've seen one or two, but you, in my mind, you are more famous <laughs> than him. So I would. Uh, I think that, that he looks. He probably looks like you. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, it is. It's actually insane. Just like check it out one day. Like their YouTube channel, like Epic Meal Time, has like six million subscribers, and their videos have just like plummeted. <laughs> It's insane. They get they do they don't get any reach on their videos anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, um, I've been feeling yeah. that shit too. It's terrible. But yeah, dude, algorithm. every single day of my life, I get told that I look like Harley from some person who thinks I've never heard it before, <laughs> and I just want to let everyone know I hear it every single day, and it's super funny. It never gets old. It. Straight up. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Let's get to the specific kind of fucking around where we talk about the songwriting process for your album, which is what we do here on the podcast. I am very curious to know what the songwriting process was like for this album and how it differed from your previous uh, EP, uh, specifically, even, of course, your the album includes uh, redone versions of the songs from the EP as well, but you know the two separate halves of it, basically. Right. You know, for the for the first set of songs, we actually wrote those pre-COVID. So we did most of it in person uh, in my old house in the basement. Whereas for the new collection of songs, we were in a weird spot because we had already released uh, the Absent EP and we wanted to release new music. But we were like, well, fuck, what do we do? Like, we can't just wait around to do that again because at the time in British Columbia... We weren't allowed to see anyone. It was like the whole lockdown 2.0 thing from like November till, I don't know, May or something like that. And we already knew we wanted to release more music on the anniversary of the first EP. So we basically gave ourselves a year. And half of that year was spent doing fucking nothing because we weren't allowed to, which was very annoying. So it kind of got to the point where we were like, okay, well, you know, as much as we want to do, you know, the same way we did the previous stuff, that's clearly just not going to happen. 
And then Cooper had written a song called Desensus, which I will let you talk about. And Johnny had wrote a song called Vermin, which obviously he will talk about. And, you know, we kind of were just like, I think we should just use these songs since they're done as is. Um, and then from there, we kind of luckily were able to add a, a another song, which was Hypnos, which was the only one that the th three of us wrote together and the only one I had any part in. <laughs> um, and, then and then we kind of padded that out with Johnny adding the intro track, which is excerpt, which is like a transition into Hypnos. And then likewise, Cooper wrote a transition out of Desensus. So yeah, I shouldn't really be the one to talk about really any of this because <laughs> well, I give didn't... us a good overview. Now we can <laughs> yeah. dive into the details a little. That's like bit. the 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 index, like the beginning of the book, and now the chapters are these two apparently. Chapter one. You know, Andrew's a great <laughs> bench warmer. Everyone, just a Fuck just a fact man. for the chat. <laughs> nah, I give him more credit than that. Uh, yeah, I think an important thing that Andrew was talking about as well, which is basically what the Carcosa mission statement kind of has been since we. Uh, did our rebrand from our other terrible band that we used to be in. Um, but, uh, and that was to try our very best to write every single thing we do together in the same room, which we never did before. Like we never did that. Uh, for our old band Galactic Pegasus, we used to just write all individually and then we would send each other songs and when we'd be like, Hey, do you like this? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Well, it's going on the record. And nobody had anything to say about it, and that was it. The song was done. No one touched it. Um, but for Carcosa, we did not want to do that because we were having issues with consistency um, with GP where we would write you know, a record or an EP or something, and all the songs were so dramatically different that it felt like every song was a different band almost. So we really wanted to make sure that, you know, with this rebrand that we ended up doing, everything was as cohesive as possible. You know, all of our individual flares were added to each song. But at the at the end of the day, it's a Carcosa song. It's not like just a, you know, this song or that song. It was like all of our collective minds making a track, which was kind of, you know, I didn't know how it was going to go for us, like how we were going to work together in a in a writing writing in the same room. But, man, we wrote a song the first day and kind of just took off from there. We chose the worst possible time to start doing it this way, mind you. Obviously, we didn't know this at the time. <laughs> so it was kind of like a tough decision to, I guess, go back on that a little bit for this new collection of songs. But, you know, in hindsight, I think we could all agree it was definitely the right thing to do. Because the last thing we wanted to do was to have this momentum from our EP, which was received really well and just do fucking nothing with it. So, you know, we were all just kind of like, all right, well, th this is the way it has to be, like, whether we like it or not. Um, and also, with that being said, it's not like we sacrifice quality or anything. Like, obviously, the songs, whether I had anything to do with them or not, I was like, these songs are fucking awesome, so I don't really mind releasing them anyways. Um, like, it's something that I would have liked anyways. Uh, you know, we weren't shy about telling each other yes or no like oh, i don't like this or i do like this um but yeah so i think it's um pretty interesting that we could talk because all the songs from the ep are on the album mm -hmm. they're they're part of the album you could we could absolutely i didn't really think about this but we could absolutely talk about them as if it was the same <laughs> 
the same thing, even though it's not the it was it wasn't from the same sessions right. or anything. There's they're a year apart, but it, it you included them on the album, so it's almost like you've got two two halves of it. One of them was made the the way that you originally envisioned with everybody in the room getting together and and doing it, and then. You've got the the sort of uh, COVID sessions, the you know, <laughs> yeah, the exactly end of the world versions. Um, so I guess actually uh, that leads me to ask what it's like when you guys write together in the room, like what it is that you do, um, how how the songs come together, if there's a certain process for it or whatever, whatever when you're all in the room. Because I'm actually pretty fascinated by this way of writing because. I don't. I haven't done it like that in a very, very long time, and it feels very chaotic and crazy to me. But I love hearing about it because that's how you know Archspire does it. That's how um, Trivium does it. And of the four podcasts we've had so far, it's three out of the four who do it like that in some um, some way. The other two do just that. Nothing at home. It's all in the in the rehearsal room. And you guys have done kind of half and half with this. So I'm fascinated to hear how that works. We like have kind of an interesting process for writing in the same room where we kind of like look at it as you have the rhythmic version of the song, like all the riffs and the breakdowns and all that. And you kind of make it so that even without effects and leads and stuff, it's still exciting to listen to just riffs. But then we also kind of look at it as like you have the second half, which would be like effects and leads and melodies and basically the whole arrangement and all that. So when we sit down, we kind of write, we write like the rhythmic section of the song typically, and we try not to focus too much on all the other stuff. And then we can kind of slam out that part of the song and then we break it up and then we'll split up and, you know, one of us will take on the leads and you know, we'll kind of break it up between each other after that. Yeah, everybody definitely plays uh, like a specific role in the process. Um, When we're together, like Cooper said, it is just like getting the actual skeleton of the song done. Like this is the primary rhythmic ideas. This is the structure of the song. And then once we are really happy with all of that, we do kind of go off and do our own things. So we do write in the same room, but the finalized pieces of the songs are done separately, uh, like in a way, because like I don't go to Andrew's house and record vocals. I record all of the vocals at my place. Cooper does all of the um, effects and the leads at his house and Andrew retracts all of the songs. Like once we finally like write it out, Andrew records the final version of it. So we all play our little our little role in the in the Carcosa game, which is which is fun because we figured out a formula that works for us writing wise. And uh, yeah, it's cool. And like what Cooper does on his own, I can't do like Cooper. We need a Cooper. We need Cooper to be in this (laughs) band to do those things because like I've sat in the same room with Cooper as he's worked on like the electronic and the orchestral elements and I'm just like baffled by the way he works. And it's it's dope to have somebody in your band that does that. For sure. Yeah, it's it's very interesting in that way. Like I feel like to to go off of what Cooper was saying, like a lot of our songs start with, you know, like a single idea. Um it's usually in my opinion it's usually actually a guitar lead or a riff, like one or the other. Like for example, the first song we ever wrote, A Plague, was 
the first thing that was ever written in that song was the clean intro thing. And Johnny was just like, I think we were actually just waiting for Cooper to get to my house. And it we was, were. it was only me and <laughs> it was, it was like only me and Johnny. Yep. And we were kind of that like, well, fuck, what, what do we do in the meantime? And I don't know, we were just sitting around or whatever. And Johnny was fucking around with one of my guitars and he just kept playing that. Like it was just something he thought of mindlessly. And I was like, yeah, that sounds actually pretty sick. <laughs> like, why don't we just record that? So we did. And that was kind of the basis for the entire song was this like random thing that Johnny had come up with. And then we kind of wrote like a a breakdown pattern underneath that. And then Cooper got there and then we just continued off of that first like little 20 second chunk Um, or vice versa. Like our song uh, Devoid was a riff that I had written for a gear demo on my YouTube channel for uh, the Rev. Where is it? The Rev G20 right there. Um, so it was something that like I had already written in the past and I was like, I think this riff is really cool. Like it could probably work in a Carcosa song. And when we all sat together to start writing, I was like, Hey, I have this thing I did at the time. It was like way longer. It was like a minute and a half. Can we use this? And Johnny was like, we can use this riff of that. But the rest of the song sucks. No, he didn't say it like that. It's but like that's basically a, what he said. I like it, but... Yeah, uh, which is fine, obviously, because it made the song like way different. But it's really interesting to go back and listen to the demo because it has like all these other parts that now I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we definitely... I'm glad we didn't use that. But like the main riff stayed, and it built like an entire other song off of it. Um, so we can kind of go both ways with that, or vice versa. I think, Cooper, has there ever been a situation where a song has started with a melodically... I think there has been ones that started with something you wrote as well. Yeah, Absent. Right, yeah. The guitar lead in Absent. One of our new songs was kind of started with a lead, I think. Oh, like New New? Yeah. Yeah, and then I can confirm Desensis was also like based on the melody. That was how it started. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like all, regardless of how the songs get written, they kind of all start with, like Cooper was saying, like some kind of rhythmic or melodic idea that spawns an entire song off of it which i guess makes sense because obviously a song has to start somewhere but yeah and that happens i guess whether we're in the same room together or not yeah it's it's crazy actually that to think of that think of it that way is pretty much every song we've written has started with a lead and then we build around it like the only other ones i can think of are our scars was just the riff that you had because there isn't like a specific lead no but hypnos was also just riff driven so i can i think it really is like pretty 50 50 yeah so you guys are basically steve vi start with a with a lead start with a guitar melody (laughs) yeah we're shredders ironic given we're known for fucking break is that what you do yeah we utilize all eight strings (laughs) yeah it's the halo soundtrack we really just watched the halo you know soundtrack videos and we just took our process from those that's pretty fascinating to hear so it's cool you're using a sort of a hybrid of of working together and then leaning on each other's strengths um, for certain aspects of it as you break out into your working on things by yourselves at home or whatever. Um, I think that's pretty cool because then you wind up with a very cohesive thing that everybody's stoked on or at the very least that everybody had a part in, had a hand in. And it's not, um, but it's also, you don't have to sit there and watch each other like work out the fucking little (laughs) bits and bobs and details. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then like Johnny was uh, saying earlier to your previous question too, like the the nice thing about being able to self-record as well is like, we all know when we're writing, it's like, this isn't going to be 
the final take. So, like, it's okay if it's a little fucking sloppy or whatever, because, like, we'll just retrack it later. Like, let's just get these ideas out while they're fresh. And the other benefit of that, too, is because we are the ones recording it, like, we can literally break the song into chunks or riffs or whatever, however we decide to do it. And, like, I, in my opinion, Johnny's, like, really good at arranging the song structure, which I think is, like, a hugely important part of... Uh, what makes our song so good is Johnny, of course, is thinking of vocals, whereas I personally don't think of them at all when I'm writing. So he'll kind of take this sections of the song and be like, okay, you know, this section here is definitely a chorus, whereas I personally would be like, really? Like, I don't, I don't hear that at all. And he's like, no, trust me. So we're going to have this song twice, or sorry, this section twice, or like the second time it comes back, let's put it double, but like change the drums so that it's halftime, blah, blah, blah. Like all these like details like that, that I don't necessarily think of, whether or not I wrote the riff or Cooper wrote the riff or whatever. And it's nice to be able to manipulate sections of the song in that way. And of course, when you listen to the demo, it sounds fucked because like the guitars are like just copy pasted, but it gets the point across so that we know like, okay, now I'm going to re-record all of that, but, you know, actually play it. <laughs> yeah, so you guys are uh, demoing as you write. You're sort of just recording. I usually call that just proof of concept, just so that you can hear hear it as a whole. Like, not even quite a demo, but... So as you're sitting sitting there jamming the parts, are you tracking them kind of... Do you, like, jam a thing for a little bit and then, like, all right, hold on, let's record this? Yeah, pretty much. It depends on who writes the part. Like... If I write a part, I think that I record guitar first and then I write drums to the guitar part and then I delete the guitar part and then I record it again because like it's obviously not very tight because it's just to a fucking metronome. I find it easier to play to drums than a metronome. I guess I mean I mean when you're doing this uh, as a group. Yeah, that's what I mean though. Is like, oh, okay. is like, like I'll be sitting here and it's like, okay, this is the riff that I wrote. Here's my idea. Record the idea. Write my own drums to my own idea re-record my guitar what do you think guys and then they'll be like yes or no or johnny will be like uh that's actually an f flat major add nine so you can't fucking do that note and i'm like i don't know what the fuck that means bro and he's like uh just play the second fret instead of the third and i'm like thank you and then i'll do it again but do that um and and so on and so forth whereas i think i mean johnny you can speak to this but like i think johnny writes drums first and then records guitar most of the time yeah i i kind of like have a idea i internalize the riff in my head and i'm like okay this is what i want on the guitar but i write the drums first i kind of do what andrew does but i skip the whole recording to the click track first thing i just do the drums first and then record to those i never used to do it like that i recently switched where i found that i wrote better to the drums that i you know concepted in my mind and then play to them but yeah i care i give a big shit about drums I like to make sure that the idea of that is down first before I do anything um, because I think it really obviously helps drive the song. It's one of the most important parts of, you know, what we do. So it needs Your to give a sense of Your drummer's watching this direction. right now like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, he definitely, if he watches this, he'll be like, no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's funny what Andrew is talking about because – uh, our last writing session that we had for new stuff, uh, Andrew and I got frustrated at each other because <laughs> because Andrew was was playing something and it just like it didn't fit the key the, of the song that we were in. 
but I was having a really hard time telling him that because he doesn't know theory, which is fine, but I didn't know any other way to tell him. <laughs> so I'm just like, it's wrong, man. What you're doing is fucking wrong. Like, and I was like, just tell me the fret numbers. Like, tell me something. Don't just say it's wrong. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? It's wrong. I don't know. It sounds good to me. Yeah, Holy and I'm shit. like, no, it doesn't sound good. They're rubbing, man. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Sometimes you want the rub. You want a nice rub. You, yeah, you pay for a little sure. extra for that for that rub. Yeah. Well, the, to me, like I, I think it's funny because you know, most of the people that I interact with especially on the channel but just in general are all musicians of some kind and to me the most important thing about theory is that it allows you to communicate with other musicians because <laughs> there's this common language not and in this it's almost like case. like <laughs> we switch to this other language it's like code you know, switching you're right. kind of yeah. you know and then if somebody doesn't speak the language a li- even a little bit then uh, you might have a hard time communicating that idea. And to me, it's like (laughs) when people are like, well, I don't know any music theory. I'm like, that's great. But how do you want me to communicate this idea (laughs) to you? Like what words could I use that you would understand? Baina speaks fret numbers. Yeah. I'm just (laughs) like, look, man, I'm playing... Seven, yeah. nine, and ten. Which of those numbers is wrong? And Johnny's like, it's a fucking B. And I'm like, I don't know which one is a B, man. Like, which yeah. is that the nine? And he's like, no, yeah, okay. So move. if it's not one of the open strings, he doesn't know the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, to be to be fair, we we're not like doing like metric modulation. <laughs> we're not like you know borrowing from other keys. We're pretty much playing in one key signature the whole time. So it's not anything that's super complicated, but at the same time, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what to fucking tell this you. This is what it's- I always tell Johnny, <laughs> and he loves when I say this. I'm like, all of our songs are in the key of E because we play drop E, and he, in my mind, that is 100 percent true. And uh, there's nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. Yeah, a- Andrew likes. I this isn't like a shot. Andrew really likes to try. And make sure everything revolves around the open strings, like an open chug. He really like wants to go to that low E, obviously, because it's his job and that's what he does. <laughs> but I'm like, nah, man, like we don't have to do that. You know, we can play other frets too, and it can still sound heavy. We're we're tuning low as fuck. It doesn't really matter, you know. But Andrew likes the low bow bow. And I'm like, why are we but... in E if we can't use E? How, how the fuck does this make any sense? <laughs> My caveman brain is just telling me. We need to go there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, now we're getting crazy, too, because we're doing automated pitch shifting. Yeah. So now we're just fucking all over the place. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All the rules that we set for ourselves, which was let's play in the same tuning. So I'm even more confused. Are now thrown you guys will literally do fucking anything except learn to play in different keys. <laughs> <laughs> learn theory. Anything like, to avoid No, it. I'll play the I'll play the same riff except it's in like C sharp instead of E and I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. You're yeah. going to just like this is all going towards only having one arm. Like you guys are both all going to lose your left arm and all the automated pitch shif- shifting is going to do all the all the fretting and you're just going to play the yeah. right hand part. So yeah. You know 12 foot ninja when I that guitar player that. dude had that crazy guitar that like changed like fucking tuning like mid uh, the robot guitar like individual yeah the like the, the line yeah. i had one i did a whole review on mm-hmm. that thing it's fucking wild they're yeah. they can't do if they don't have that yeah. they couldn't play yeah. a set like i know he'll, he switches between tunings like every like several times in a song it's yeah. it's crazy i mean it's a 
It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like Viljarda as well. Like when, you know, we watch uh, Cali or Cal do his playthroughs, it's just like this part went to, you know, a half step lower for five seconds. Yeah. And then it goes back up. It's like, holy Literally shit. Literally just man. for like one, even think of one note in yeah. the riff. There's like, yeah. it, it only does a, a D once in the entire yeah. song. And you're like, what the, f- what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. So basically, we're really inspired by that. <laughs> and we want to make everything as difficult as possible for ourselves. No, that's what MIDI's for. We're good. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Whatever, you know, um, guitar players are uh, so close minded, old school. Like, it's like, my immediate guitar player instinct is to be like, no, you should do it. And, uh, just do it live, you pussy. <laughs> but really, you should embrace the technology if it makes you feel more creative and if it helps you oh, yeah. to do yeah. certain things a certain way. Just fucking do it. For sure. Exactly right. It. And I mean, like exactly like Johnny right. was saying, like I, we all, all three of us take like huge inspiration from uh, Humanity's Last Breath and Viljarda. Fucking shout out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, they're kind of the ones that, that we saw using like a Digitech whammy drop tune pedal in this way. Because like obviously we had seen 12 Foot Ninja kind of do it. But he literally has like a special guitar that like, you know, can only be done that way. Um, whereas they do kind of a similar thing, but it's with a guitar pedal that we already all happen to own anyways. So we were like, oh, okay, well, maybe we could do that. Um which is really this is Gear Gods, Bana. You can say the name of it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> say what it is. What baby. the whammy? Wait, what do you mean? Digitech whammy. Yeah, whammy. I just said that, didn't I? Digitech's whammy DT. Yeah. There you I, go. I guess I thought you were uh, referring to the Pod Pro XT five hundred, whatever the fucking one that Vil- the Vild Vildjarda still uses. Oh right, right, right. Oh yeah, Johnny. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, like, so that's kind of where we got the idea for that. And they do a lot of just like weird shit that, in my opinion, is like really forward thinking. And I've usually never heard of another person or band that does some of the things they do. Like, you know, uh, Buster, uh, one of the guitarists in, well, I guess the songwriter of uh, Humanity's Last Breath, like, he even like live triggers noise gates to go on and off like while he's fucking playing like all this crazy shit that i'm like how like i would never in a million years think of that uh but i'm definitely gonna do it now you know what i mean (laughs) yeah you're like i have a robot slave who does all of that for me his name is midi exactly yeah exactly yeah midi change the pitch (laughs) (laughs) but it's fun though because you can utilize that stuff for songwriting yeah especially within the subgenre that we're in it's kind of the future of what we're doing like I think Brand of Sacrifice really started it. Like they've perfected that method of like, you know, pitch shifting and detuning mid song and really utilizing it in a cool way. And now we're kind of all just like riding off of their coattails a little bit <laughs> because like we copied our rebrand strategy from them. <laughs> we're like copying like what they do with their guitars. Like we're just very influenced by by them and what they do. But yeah, the future of the genre is just like crazy fucking computer guitars that have no limits and. I find that very exciting, and I don't give a shit if uh, you know. Well, you don't have to play possible. them. Yeah, true. I don't. <laughs> and then me and Cooper have to you figure can it out. Surf these poor bastards up something that they have to. It's really fucking hard and difficult, and then they have to play it live while you just you do whatever you fucking <laughs> whatever I like whatever I fucking do. This is yeah. a, this yeah. is also <laughs> why I retract the songs after to make sure that we can actually <laughs> fucking play them. Yes, I do. Important. I do that. I feel bad, but <laughs> I also don't because if it sounds cool, then oh well. 
Actually, I think that's a pretty good segue to another thing that I want to talk about, which is the vocals. So obviously, uh, Johnny's doing the bare share of the vocals, but um, Baina, you're also doing a bit here and there, yeah? Do you have any particular way that you write not just the lyrics, but also how they fit to the song, the vocal patterns and all that stuff? Do you do you write all of your own parts, Johnny, also? Yes, I he do. He also writes all my parts. <laughs> I write all of Andrew's as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, the way I do vocals specifically for this project now, uh, pretty much what I did for the Absent EP as well, That the Absent EP is a concept EP. Um, but I wrote a lot of them on the fly. Like I didn't write lyrics beforehand. I opened up the session and I'm like, all right, I'm going to feel it out and just see what this song makes me feel in this part of the story. Like we had organized the songs in the order that they go in. But as I was going along, I was writing the story on the fly kind of thing. So I would sit down with a session and I would have my, you know, Google docs open and as I would go, I would write on the fly and record vocals. When you're doing this, how far along are the tracks that you're recording to? Fully done. I don't start vocals until basically until Cooper does his magic, which is like the last step before wow. I do vocals. I wait for the song to be fully done and then I do it. I need to have like the fully realized vision of the song before I start writing vocals because it I need to know context. Do you? But you do vocals before I retrack guitars. I'm pretty sure. Like you do them to the yeah. to the demo versions of the. Songs, I do them so. to the demo version of the guitars but the, for but sure. But the structures are finalized, is what you're saying. Everything is yeah. finalized except for like the final like recording yeah. of the guitars, basically. So the song is done, essentially. Um, yeah, I don't start until everything is 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 done. Um, but yeah, I I kind of just go along and. I, you know, specifically write parts to suit specific styles of vocals that I'm doing. Like anything that I'm doing that's fast and spitty, I generally always do them in a higher register because they're easier to enunciate. And that is a big thing for me and what we do is, yes, we play in a deathcore band and it's traditionally where you make toilet noises and nobody can understand what you're saying. But if I'm trying to tell a story, I want people to know what I'm saying. So I try very, very hard to enunciate everything I do. So, um, yeah, so for like high vocals and like fast stuff, I usually always do it in a higher register. And I usually try and, you know, pick parts that have like E vowels because they are easier to do fast and they're easier to scream in a higher register. Whereas if it's more O and like A vowels, I generally do lower stuff. So while I'm going along and, you know, writing my lyrics, I see, okay, well, I really use these vowels in this part. I'll probably use lower vocals here, whatever suits the part of the song. Yeah, vocal process is 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 crazy. It's just, I just start, I just, it's just like diarrhea of the mind <laughs> and I just shred. <laughs> and usually too, when I record vocals, like they aren't, they're the final vocals. I don't, they're in pre-pro. Like, that's it. I, wow. I do I do them once. Like, every song that you've heard I, is, like, the day I recorded them. And I don't touch them again. Wow. because Because I'm stubborn. <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, he's like, hey, guys, let me know if there's anything you don't like or you want us to change. And I'm like, oh, maybe you could do this instead. And he's like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's kind of like that sometimes. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's so hilarious. I, I just really, I get really stuck in, in an idea. Like if I record it and it's finalized, I have a really hard time redoing it unless I like say something wrong or, you know, I pronounce something wrong or whatever. Mm. What? Give me an example. <laughs> Give me an example. No, no, no. Hey, continue. Continue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fight, fight, fight. All right, buddy. Oh, here's a question though. When you guys are writing the songs the tr- the music portion of it you guys get it, uh, get it dialed all the fucking way in before you even think about words that you're going to be saying or anything but are you structuring them in a way that you're thinking about certain types of vocals will go here or certain things like you're thinking about the end product with vocals in mind as you're making the track oh always yeah and that's like what what Andrew was was saying before very nicely is i'm very focused on structure did you ever listen to like the first wave of deathcore back in the day? Like the 2006 kind of era of MySpace deathcore, any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean a little bit. I was reasonably active on MySpace. Right. So <laughs> But like give me give me an example. Like the early Whitechapel, the first Whitechapel record and Carnifex and you know okay. the first Suicide Silence record, like all that mm-hmm. stuff. A lot of the early deathcore stuff, they didn't give a flying shit about structure. They did not care. They just, it was riff salad, like you would say. You yep. know, they're just like throwing shit all over the place. It's cool riffs. It's the part where I go burr and then the song is over, which is fine. That's cool. I love that stuff. That's what I grew up on. But I also grew up on metalcore and like kill switch engage and stuff. And I'm like, wow, courses are cool. I like verses. Like those are sick. A bridge is really neat. So <laughs> the uh, the second wave of deathcore that we're in right now, like a lot of bands have started to focus on standard song structure. And I think that is the best thing that's ever happened to the genre <laughs> because it's made it more accessible for people outside of the genre to get. They're like, oh, this part's repeating. That's like my favorite Post Malone song. You know what I mean? Like it has a familiar structure so you don't feel like you're just like a song just happened and I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like it has a semblance of structure. If you want to hear that part again, listen to the song again. Go back to the beginning and listen again. (laughs) It's very demanding. (laughs) It's almost like we copy pasted the whole song, but you have to do it by hitting the back button. Exactly. On your disc man. Yeah. On your little MP3 player. On your Zune. (laughs) But yeah, while we're recording, I'm often thinking like, like Andrew was saying, like, okay, so this part sounds like a chorus. Like this part has to repeat. How do we get back to this part? You know? Um, Or like, yeah, this is a verse. Let's do this. Let's do that. I'm always kind of actively thinking about that. It's not so much I'm thinking of like, what words am I going to say here? It's like, I know I'm going to say words here. I just don't know which ones yet. We'll find out as we go. But yeah, song structure is very, very important to me anyways. And I think it um, makes our music more accessible in that way where it doesn't just feel like a super like taboo niche genre. I feel like we can be considered actual, you know, songwriters. Not saying that that other stuff isn't. It's just grown up, I think. That brings up a really interesting great point question slash query that I have for all of you. So, uh, obviously, like you're saying, Johnny, you know a bit more theory than the rest of the dudes. Or r- more than Baina, anyways. I don't know about Cooper. <laughs> yeah, it's the, definitely the same case. Okay. But... Have you guys studied like stuff like song structure in any, not necessarily a formal way, but like even just picking apart songs to make covers or whatever? Are you really paying attention to all of that stuff? Do you feel like um, any aspect of studying that stuff has helped you a lot 
and have you done it in a concentrated like specific way consciously i don't know if i've done it consciously necessarily but obviously i do like a shit ton of covers so i'm sure that that inadvertently has kind of trained me to be like okay like this is the song structure type that i like at least um, or like, oh, okay, so a breakdown call out is this because this is what always happens or whatever, right? Like things like that are, are relatively similar across the board when I'm covering other people's music. So I'm definitely sure that that has, uh, you know, trained me in some way on what types of song structures that I like or, or tropes that I personally enjoy and that I would want to use in my own music. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same for, you know, Cooper as well, because Cooper and I both listen to a lot of you know, different music outside of, you know, what we play. And I, I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, Coop, but I definitely feel that on my end. Yeah. I think it's like, I listen to a lot of hip hop and pop and I grew up with like pop punk, like good Charlotte and that kind of stuff. So I, you know, while I take the, the death core world of like growing up, loving the huge moments of like Chelsea grin and, you know, like I declare war where you have that one big breakdown at the end. It's like, I love that, but I also love the catchiness of more traditional songwriting. So it's like, I didn't like necessarily study that, but I guess we're all kind of students of music in a way. And just by listening, we've consciously, you know, taken in stuff from our influences, right? Mm -hmm. I did have a songwriting class in school crazy. Uh, when I went to college, and I still think it was the most beneficial class that I ever took. Um, because it really made me understand, like, you know, we studied songs, whether it was like old jazz standards or like, you know, like, um, I know they're not called Lady Antebellum anymore, but we studied like a specific Lady Antebellum song. And it was like, this is why this song is perfect. And I was like, why is this song perfect? What do you mean by that? And it was like, listen to how they get to the chorus, listen to how they go minor in the bridge. And it's like, I never would have thought of that. But yeah, it's kind of something that gets um, ingrained in your mind as you, especially listening to popular music, you know, it's popular for a reason. It's, it's, it's formulaically structured because this works. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I like listening to other kinds of music like that to influence our music. Like, you know, I love folk songs. I love, you know, Andrew Bird, like all that kind of stuff to influence our music, which like shouldn't. You know, there's metalheads that are probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why don't you just listen to Cannibal Corpse? That's stupid. You know what, though? Cannibal Corpse doesn't just listen to death metal. They like, don't. <laughs> I bet if you went, I've never been there, but I bet if you jumped on the Cannibal Corpse tour bus after a show, they're not listening to Deicide. Like, yeah, no, I can't do that, man. Like, I obviously I would I will never say like, oh, I don't even listen to metal anymore. Like, I'm not that guy. <laughs> Because I do, I still listen to the genre actively, but I do listen to more music outside of our genre to influence us more than I listen to, you know, what bands in our genre. I don't want to. I don't want to get stuck in like a copy loop. I don't want to like accidentally copy somebody, or you know, be so influenced by another band that I we just do exactly what they're doing. I try and listen to other stuff. I try and rip other people off. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because nobody in metal is going to know if you rip off Lady Antebellum. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, like, Except even you know though... who will notice? Cannibal Corpse. Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> They'll be like, what is, is that from that Lady Antebellum song? <laughs> what was the name of the song, by the way? The, the one that was perfect. Need You Now. I'm going to write that down because I'm curious. It's a quarter after one. 
I'm oh, a... I do know that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That song has such a good chorus. Even the, the verses are fantastic. Listen to the song and just like study the structure. It's amazing. I love that. I track. Love people yeah. people watching this are like, what the fuck? Yeah, I can tell that people are just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where in the song is the breakdown? Yeah, Where right? I need you now is the, is the breakdown. Is it, in, because... is it in the key of E or what? Where's, um, where's the six minute doom riff? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I like watching, uh, like, YouTube channels. Like, I, I tried, all jokes aside, like, I tried learning music theory a few times in my life, and I just can't fucking do it. Just like, I stick. think it's incredibly, like, I don't know. It just, for whatever reason, it doesn't work for me. But, like, watching other YouTubers, like Rick Beato, for example, like, even if I don't necessarily understand everything he's talking about, I still enjoy watching it because he presents it in a way where it's like, yes, he does throw, like, keys and scales at you, which I'm, like, I don't necessarily know what that means, but there's still a lot of other, like, subsidiary beneficial information to me, like structure or even, like, explaining in layman's terms why something works or doesn't work. To me, I find that incredibly useful because then I don't necessarily need to know theory um, to still get value from what he's saying. You're going to accidentally learn theory. You kind of accidentally do. You're going to wake up one morning after watching all of these videos and be like, oh, it's like Spider-Man. It's really funny because like, I, I don't know, like I know all the fucking like rhythmic theory is what I call it, which I'm sure is not an actual thing. It's a part of it. You know, like more than anything, just to be able to like write my own guitar tabs. Like I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to remember all this shit. Or like when Johnny writes a riff, like I have to tab it because he ironically doesn't tab it. And I don't know theory. And I'm like, I guess I'll figure it out. So like, I don't, even if I don't necessarily understand like, quote unquote what he's doing like I can still write it out and like all the notations and yeah whatever like it's it's very very weird I don't really know you know what drives Andrew nuts that I do is <laughs> oh my god when I record guitars I always record it in one four so there's no no downbeat it drives me fucking insane I record everything in one four because I'm like I don't want to be bound by time signatures so I and just then like... I have to figure out I'm like oh so there's a random bar of five four that happens once in this entire song like okay so this is kind of the opposite problem where Johnny's telling Andrew about pitches and he doesn't know shit and he doesn't want to know whereas Johnny doesn't want to know shit about the fucking beats yeah, and, dude. and time signatures. You guys fucking complete each other. You know what, Trey? No one's perfect here, okay? We each have half the puzzle and... Nobody's perfect until you combine them yeah. and then they become one perfect musician. Amazing. You guys found each other. I just analyze it after. <laughs> But or not like, before you send it over to Bane. Yeah. No, I'll make I'm Andrew like, do that. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. It's so funny talking about it in this way. Or just like it's it sounds so fucking ridiculous. I'm like, how the fuck does this work? Like that's what's great about this podcast, Trey. Is you get to realize how fucking <laughs> insane and stupid other people are and how they work. I love it. Honestly, that's half the reason I wanted to do this because I to kind of demystify the process because I think a lot of people who have never really done it before think that you have to like go to school and learn every piece of music theory before you can even sit down to try and write a song and then uh like 
Arch Spire is like, yeah, we kind of just yell at each other until something <laughs> good happens. Yeah. And like, yeah. and you know, like you can just fucking start. Yeah. It helps if you take my songwriting course, link in the description. Um, but you, anybody can do it. And there's so much trial and error and finagling and just like working on it together to make it better that you can just start, you just fucking start. Yeah, for sure. To make this clear, all of us do write with feel. Like, even though I know theory, I never, like, write a riff being like, I'm going to use these scales because fuck you. Like, I don't ever do that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think anybody does that. Nah. I use it for problem solving if something sounds shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the theory part of my brain is Johnny explaining to the feel part of my brain, which is Baina. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so beneficial having feel people who are just like, this doesn't feel right, or it does. Because at the end of the day, the Deathcore general audience does not know fucking theory. They don't give a flying shit. So they're like, oh, I can't believe they use that mode. They're just going to be like, this makes me feel like I could hurt someone. I'm going <laughs> to destroy my bedroom and have a good time. Like, I, I am the feel representative of the band in that case. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. You know what? And the audience that will do that, will that will be like, oh, they use the C-sharp Lydian? Oh, no. Fuck those people. You don't want them as your audience. They're the worst. You want people, you want the Chad. Yeah. Like, yeah, low guitar, low notes go. <laughs> exactly. That's why we change genres, dude. That's why we don't play gent or progressive music anymore, because it was just a fucking cesspool, man. Straight <laughs> up. I don't mean to be an asshole, but it was. It was brutal. You pour your heart into something, and they'll be like, what, was, what string gauge did you use? Yeah, I mean, that still happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, this song is about my friend who, whatever, something sad, <laughs> and- and they're like, yeah, but how did you get that tone? Yeah. That fucking tone. Why aren't you using this or that? It's like, who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? If it feels good, if it sounds good, it is good, period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know this is a gear channel, but, you know. <laughs> you know what, though? Yeah, we're like, it's fuck not gear, fuck songwriting, but like, also we'll tell you how we do things. The thing is, it's not really a gear channel anymore. I'm doing mostly songwriting now, so sure. you can feel free free to shit all over gear. I love gear. <laughs> I, like I got, I can see, <laughs> I can see like thirty thousand dollars worth of gear from where I'm standing. I love it, and it helps, yeah. and it's useful. But the music, but it's it's great because it helps us to write better songs and record better songs and be more creative. It can't hear you that when you're shitting on it. True. It's not like free. Toy Story or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Trey's coming. God, I hope not. Can you confirm something for me? I can sure try. Am I the first person on your songwriting challenge that you gonged? Because <laughs> I think I am. Oh, oh, you might have been. I'm pretty were sure I was. If were you the first one on that episode where I where I used the gong? Holy shit! I got gonged. <laughs> you, I got gonged, How? dude. You put so much work into your song and. I didn't even listen to the whole thing. He didn't. No, dude, you were totally right. He failed you, but then asked you to teach him how to write. So, you know what I mean? Isn't there's, there's some irony there? I'd say it's a character yeah. arc right here. No, I loved that that the the songwriting challenge. I thought it was great. Like it, I watched all of them. I was so just wow. like I Thank loved you. to know what your opinion was on these fucking songs. And like straight up, I applaud you for doing that because, <laughs> dude, like. There was some amazingly bad stuff in there. And like, even like the critiques that you gave on bad things were great. Cause like, even like Andrew does a thing called Bana's Best Bands. And like, at the end of every month where he does streams and stuff, and I've been on a few where kids will submit their songs 
and then ask for, you know, advice and critiques and stuff, very similar to what you do. And Andrew can speak on this because it's his thing, but like, it's always cool to see like people actually taking the criticism and then getting better because then, you know, a month later they'll do it again and the song will be so much better. And I'm not saying like we're fucking geniuses and you should listen to everything we say, but sometimes it's Same. nice to have those other set of ears from somebody who will give you a non-biased opinion and then you take it and you learn. You can choose to get upset. That's cool. You can get really upset, but I think that's a waste of time and energy. Like yeah, even definitely. like when you gonged me, I was like, I want to know what Trey has to say about my fucking song. <laughs> Why did he gong me? Why was he bored? And I was like, oh yeah, this section drags on way too long. Like, yeah. you know, it makes no, sense. It's definitely, it's definitely really cool. Like Johnny was saying, like when I do the streams as well, like sometimes there are people, I mean, it's the same for you, Trey. I've seen your streams too. Like there's some people who come back like every single month or whatever, and you can literally hear them getting better because, I mean, whether it's directly because of something you said or passively it's still cool because you're like i feel like i'm helping or like sometimes there'll be like uh you know there's one case I, I always remember where there was someone who wrote instrumental songs and i was always like man like you're really good but the thing is you're writing songs that need vocals because it's not like shreddy it'd be like me writing instrumental songs like i'm like i i don't do that because the way that I write is clearly intended for vocals to be there. And I was like, this is the same for you. So like you should either like write leads or find like a lead guitarist or get vocals. And then, you know, sure enough, he eventually did that. And I was like, Oh wow. Like this is what I've thought you would have sounded like this whole time. And here it is. So it's, it's definitely cool. I like that. We kind of all grow together. Like since doing those, I started the feedback stream, which at the time was called New Gear Friday. It was just a reason for me to open boxes, yeah. <laughs> not by myself. And then I was like, huh, maybe I'll, uh, you know, people want a little feedback on their songs. I'll do that. I started doing a couple. That was like nine, ten months ago now, maybe a year. And since then, not only have I experienced what you're talking about, like people coming back all the time and their songs are improving and improving just from my feedback and the chat feedback, too. Mm -hmm. But my perspective on songwriting has also grown and improved and i've learned things from um people who've sent in songs that i've liked or even ones that i haven't you know there's i think there's always something to be learned from somebody else's song which is why it's always staggering to me when i hear metalheads be like oh i only listen to to fucking black metal from 1993 to 1997 and and i'm like okay well that's just uh like intentional ignorance um, yeah. Blind ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like you don't know a thing until you know it, until you learn it. Like you don't know that you need it until you actually understand it and you have to go outside of your bubble to do that. But yeah, just like it's so much fun. And that's why I'm doing this now because I feel like, first of all, I need this. I need to hear how other people do it because I've been doing it the same fucking way forever and ever. And I'm fascinated to hear how other people do it. And you got to put yourself out there and it's a little scary, but guaranteed to improve. For sure. I love the process. I love to know what other people do. It gets me very excited to know that we're not the only crazy people doing whack shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid, the best way to get your music on the internet, and their new feature, which is called Tidal Artists Direct Payouts. This is a new source of revenue for artists, and 
The way this works is that each month that you are the most listened to artist of a Tidal Hi-Fi Plus subscriber, up to 10% of their monthly subscription fee goes directly to you. Once you've earned a balance of at least $50 from Tidal Hi-Fi Plus subscribers, Tidal will send the money directly to you via DistroKid, and it goes right into your bank tab. As always, DistroKid does not take a cut from your revenue. In addition to the artist direct payouts, you will still continue to earn your royalties on top of this new revenue stream. But this is very important. You have to opt into the program to start accruing these payments. So get started by heading over to distrokid.com slash title artist payments. Also, this is the first episode of the podcast since I released my brand new songwriting course, which is called Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting. So if you're interested in learning more about writing songs from me, from writing riffs to drum parts to lyrics and vocals, transitions, harmonies, and more, you're going to want to head over to howsongsaremade.com. What is something that you guys do that you think that nobody else is doing? Maybe something that, you, that you're trying for, maybe even, that you feel like you haven't quite gotten yet or something. Like I was saying, or like Johnny and I were saying earlier, I, I don't think it's something that only we do, but I think that's something that certainly helps us stand apart is that we focus a lot on song structure and making sure that there are memorable parts in our songs, not like other than just the breakdown, which is always like the heaviest part or whatever. Like there's other shit too, right? But yeah, I mean, I don't think we're the only band doing that because like Johnny was saying too, like we certainly got the idea for that from other bands like Brand of Sacrifice or, or Spirit Box or whatever. So yeah, I don't really know if there's anything that I personally think we and we alone are, are doing or trying to do. I mean, just because I, I love to hear Cooper talk about this stuff, I'm going to shout Cooper out. <laughs> but like what Cooper does is very, very crazy. Uh, in terms of the production that he works on, um, because Cooper's, I mean, obviously Cooper speak for yourself, but like he's coming from like a very interesting place of like, you know, movie soundtracks and electronic music and trying to trying to blend that into our sound without it sounding like, you know, really corny or like attack attack stuff that I know Andrew just adores, but like, <laughs> so it doesn't sound like like trap music and metal kind of thing. It's more of like, you know, Cooper is really good at blending these beautiful orchestral arrangements with electronic at the same time, if you want to talk about that, Coop. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's like something special we have going on, because there's definitely like plenty of other bands that do that. But I guess like one of the more unconventional parts of kind of like our process is we actually do like a lot of like hip hop style sampling, which comes from my background as like um, hip hop beat maker kind of doing all that as well. Like, essentially, it's, you know, finding, like, a random sample that's on Splice, and then maybe it's, like, a snare sample, or maybe it's, like, a, like, even, like, a really creepy, kind of cool-sounding melody or something, or just even, like, a sound effect. And then, you know, just pitching it, manipulating it to make it work in the key of the song, and then uh, just coming up with a bunch of those. And at the end of our sessions, like, sometimes we have, like, tracks that have, like, 70 to 120 tracks total and our poor producer ty huge shout out uh he has to deal with all that but honestly i think you know it adds a lot of like flavor to the to the tracks that might not have necessarily been there without and yeah yeah i mean i dude i wouldn't think to put like shotgun shells bouncing off the ground in a breakdown but it made it way harder like it sounded so fucking sick when you did that like 
Yeah. Andrew and I wouldn't think of that. That's like a totally no. just Cooper thing, you know, coming from his background. You know, things like that. He, like they're not like a, you know, shotgun cock before the breakdown. And then mm-hmm. the yeah. breakdown's here. It's like you would have heard that back in 2008, right? It's more, yeah, like it's more like the traditional like sampling style where it's it's making things blend and like sonically kind of like world building almost. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Soundscapes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In terms of like lyrically for our our genre, I definitely try to actually write about something that's meaningful because like bands that I liked growing up that wrote things that made me feel, you know, that was important to me, that gave me um, an attachment to that record. And sometimes in, in deathcore, that doesn't really happen. It's just like about, you know, blood and fucking brutal shit and fire and the devil, brother. Like, it's just like <laughs> stuff like that, which is fun and cool if you can write about it in an interesting way. But I also like to write from personal experience. You know, it's kind of like a like a like a tick on the timeline of my life where I can write about something that was really important to me at that time. And I can reference that and go back and be like, I remember that time of my life or, you know, really having it relate to other people. I want people to, re- you know, find a way to relate to what I'm saying to help them get through a hard time, you know, or like mm-hmm. through a grieving process, which is basically what absent was all about. It was a very heavy record about depression and suicide from, you know, personal experiences all of us have had. And, you know, having people reach out and being like, yeah, like I lost my friend and this was a really important record to me. Like that to me is, is very important that I'm not just like writing for no reason. I'm not just writing random shit about goblins and fire. (laughs) Like I'm writing about something that is important to some people. And I never really take that for granted because I don't know. I always thought that was cool from other bands back in the day. It meant a lot to me. So if I can do that for somebody else, then I try my hardest. That's awesome. So I guess the next obvious question is going to be, one off of the li- this list that I have here, that I'm I'm not reading. I'm not at all. it's totally organic. Professional YouTuber. <laughs> Maybe you just answered it, but do you feel like the things that you write, not just the lyrics, but also the um, the way that you're writing the songs in general, instrumentally, and all that? Do you feel like people are picking up what you're putting down? Do you think that? For the most part, what you're putting into it, the things you're intending, you're like, oh, this is going to do this. Do you think that when people hear it, they get it? And do you feel like some of the reactions that you get out of your fans or whatever are what you're expecting? I think so. It's been weird up until recently. Like, obviously, we had never played a show because we've only existed during COVID. Um, But even still, like, shout out to all the YouTube reaction channels that have done reactions to us because that was the closest thing we could see to, like, real life feedback. And I, I would say pretty much almost every time that we watched a reaction video, like people freaked out at the part that we were like, yes, like that's the part of the song that I was hoping you would say or, or whatever, right? Sidebar, um, real quick. Did you get, did Hardcore Keem ever do one for yeah. you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's done a bunch. Fucking love that guy. <laughs> I lose my mind when he goes for the dummy every time. It's so good every with time. the hit marker, Call of Duty hit marker. Yeah, he he is the most genuine and just beautiful person <laughs> so on the internet. I love it. He's one of my favorite people of all time. Amazing. 
Yeah, and and like Galactic Criminal, you know, Nick Nocturnal, tons of awesome reactors. Um, but yeah, like pretty much every time, like you know, like we all we obviously know the song before they hear it, so we're like waiting for them to be like, oh, you know, like this part in Vermin is coming up, like they're gonna be fucking stoked because I know this reactor likes this type of music. Yeah, and then sure enough, the breakdown hits and they like freak out about it, and we're like, fuck yes, like it's, you know, it's such a good feeling seeing people react the way you hope they will react like i mean everyone can relate there's no worse feeling than being like hey man like check out this new song i wrote and then you like are watching them listening to your song and they're just like checking their phone or whatever and you're like fuck <laughs> so yeah and then same for when we played the few live shows with uh Artspire and and the one before that like seeing people seeing people's reactions although with a mask on <laughs> you know like lose their minds to specific parts of songs was just like super cool and so rewarding seeing it actually happen you know yeah and some parts translated live better than they did just like listening to them that was cool too is getting that genuine reaction is like oh shit i didn't think that part would hit as hard live but i can tell that people are losing their 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 minds which is great. I think I think people get it. I think they understand what they're getting when they listen to our band. And I don't know. I think that's good. But we also want to try and subvert expectations here and there. So we're always going to try to evolve and do different stuff and maybe catch people off guard a little bit. But yeah, I think people get it. Speaking of subverting expectations, like one of the really cool things uh, that ended up happening with the album version of Absent because we, you know, redid them with guest vocals. Was uh, Johnny's girlfriend Charlie did guest vocals on the final song of the album? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the title track for the for the EP portion. You could say she sung it all, so it's like this like beautiful like higher pitched singing, which obviously is not a thing in deathcore almost ever. So I was nervous. Like, I I personally loved it. I could hear dudes with really big gauges hitting (laughs) the fucking next button. Yeah. Like, I could hear it. Well, that's the end of the record, so. A girl? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones that we tie to chairs in the music videos. (laughs) They're not allowed to sing on the song. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, so. (laughs) I wish I knew my dad. (laughs) Skip. Yeah, oh, but it, no. it was one of those things where, like, when when I first heard Charlie's part on that song, I was like, "This is fucking amazing!" Like, it, I it loved is amazing. It. it sounds great. Um, but at the same time, I was like, "Ah, oh, like, I I don't know if other people are gonna like this because it's singing in deathcore, which is like this big, like, ooh, I don't know." So I remember the reaction to that being almost completely positive. I don't think I really saw anyone that didn't like that part, which was awesome because they should like that part because she did a fucking amazing job. Um, but it was also just cool to see that our fans were open-minded enough to not be like, oh, you added singing, the song is ruined, or whatever, right? Yeah, well, especially if you know the context of that song, then you're like, fuck, that, it it pulls at you more. Like, I don't know if we're ever going to play that song live, because it is a very emotional song for all of us. And, like, I remember, even when I first wrote that part, I had envisioned having clean vocals there, but I didn't want to put our first deathcore record out with me singing right away. I didn't want to just blow those doors down right away and then scare everybody off. I was like, oh, you wait. wanted to get a fan base that you could disappoint. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want to disappoint them later as opposed to doing it right fucking now. Otherwise, they can't be like, I liked your old stuff better. <laughs> exactly, because you didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so when it came to doing the reduxes of the old songs, I you know really wanted it to specifically be a female vocalist, 
and uh, yeah, I I feel I feel bad because we had wanted to use some other female vocalists before, and it didn't really work out, like timing wise, and some people left us hanging here and there, and it kind of was getting way too close to the wire of our deadline of when we needed this to be done. And like my girlfriend Charlie is like a trained vocalist. Like we went to the same school. She's a fantastic vocalist. And I was like, why didn't I just do this before? Why didn't I just ask her right away? And instead, I asked her two days before the song was due. So she was like, I guess I have to learn this part. <laughs> and she stressed and like recorded it on her own in my in my office and you know, really delivered a an emotional performance that I think makes that part sound even more emotional than it already was intended to be and uh yeah and the overall response has been pretty positive i think it's made people cry harder which is great <laughs> exactly yeah. what just we wanted made, just make yeah. people cry you more know? tears please and uh yeah that's the goal though is to make you feel and it did so fucking sweet great um uh, sort of in the same token when you're writing them because you probably knew at the time that you weren't going to get to play shows anytime soon, are you still thinking about whether or not a part is going to pop off in a live scenario? Mm, that's a good question. At, at any point, do you go like, this is where they're going to fucking circle pit? Well, we, we just finished writing some new material like about a month ago. Um, so that would have been the first time we wrote music after playing live. I don't really think we were actively thinking about that while we were writing, but I do remember after we wrote a part being like, oh, this part is going to do this live, you know, but it wasn't like we wrote a part for that purpose. It was more like after we wrote the part, we were like, oh yeah, some people are going to beat the shit out of each other to this part. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 I think when the first song we wrote was a plague and I think like when we first figured out that the main breakdown, like that big one, uh, right after the first verse, I think we were like, I mean, I was anyways, I was like, fuck, this will be really cool live. Yeah. Like this part slaps so hard. I feel like people are just going to go bonkers. You're like, but, we can only play this in Canada. We can't play it in the US where they don't have free healthcare. <laughs> well, no, that <laughs> even well, that we wrote, stuff. We wrote that one before COVID existed, to be fair, like because we wrote like the the original EP in 2019. We just didn't release it till 2020. So I don't know. I don't remember because it was so fucking long ago. Like if we were thinking about live shows at all at that point in time, we probably were. Well, Devoid we wrote during during COVID, did we not? Yeah, but I mean, like that wasn't part of Absent though. Like everything on Absent was written before 2020, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like live shows would have been completely normal at the time we wrote everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm saying is like I don't I don't remember if we wrote anything back in 2019 that we we're thinking about live shows for yeah. I don't know if any of you guys there were definitely it. like parts where we were like oh yeah this you know this is the one that we should put here because it's gonna slap you know for whatever reason that may be like people punching each other in the face reactors headbanging you know like we definitely had that goal in mind for like those certain big parts like like you said like the plague breakdown in the middle and then also the one at the end and yeah yeah I was also curious as to how people would react to the cleaner section in Devoid. Because that was the first song we released after Absent. Yeah, I was curious how that would come across live. Because like most of our stuff is just pretty pissed all the way through. 
So this was like a little <laughs> reprieve in the middle of the set where everybody kind of just gets to groove and vibe out, you know? And some people like that and some people don't. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that one is received either. I really like that part and I like having a moody, dynamic vibe that isn't just like 10 out of 10 pissed at all times. Because then it makes those parts when they come back sound even more heavy. But yeah, I, that was kind of maybe the only other thing I can think of that I was like curious as to what people would think, you know? Yeah. And I think like the unintentional side effect of that is now after playing a few live shows, I think we're all really glad that is there because it gives all of us a chance to fucking, fucking break. breathe for a second. I mean, I guess Cooper and, and Travis are still doing shit during that part. Like, but me and Johnny just do nothing during that entire section, which is fucking great because we <laughs> both are just like, holy shit. Um, and then likewise, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this because this is like a, a Johnny thing as well, but like for for writing vocals and then having to perform them live, being like, oh shit, like I wrote way too many words for this part or like whatever, right? I don't know if you wanted to talk about that or not. <laughs> Whoops. That kind of goes back to what you were, what you asked a while ago, Trey, was about, you know, Andrew and I doing vocals. Right. And uh, there are parts that I write specifically for Andrew because I'm like, this part coming up is fucking hard. So if I can breathe for like even two seconds and get Andrew to to scream there, that would be great. Like for Vermin, there was some stuff that we changed live where I had Andrew do specific vocals live that aren't recorded so that I can take a break, like right before the Vermin breakdown or chorus, because I yeah. I literally spit the fastest I've ever spat <laughs> right before. And I'm like, I can't do this going into the chorus, so I need you to scream here. Um, I do try and consciously write stuff for Andrew um, that makes sense with what he's playing because, I mean, he can attest to this, but like... And I was really, I used to play in country bands and stuff. And I had a really hard time when I was playing bass in a country band, singing and playing at the same time. So with Andrew, I try and make sure that the stuff that he's screaming to uh, lines up with what his hands are doing because it takes his brain for a trip. It trips me out too. So, yeah, I mean, just to touch on that a bit. So, like, there are definitely some parts that are not like that because we just fuck up or we're like, whatever, it sounds cool. Just fucking put it in, anyways. Um, and then when we play, like, there are some parts that I scream on the record that Johnny screams live because they don't match with what I'm playing on guitar. So I'm like, I can't do both because it's impossible. Um, and then there's some parts live where I like, just don't play guitar and only scream because like, it depends what it is, but yeah, like Johnny was saying, there's definitely some parts live that I do more vocals on than I normally would because he needs like a second to breathe or whatever. Um, but for the most part, we try to keep it so that, like, I have this thing where, like, when I talk, my hand also picks, like, and it's the same for screaming. <laughs> so, like, and if you listen to most of my vocal parts, they're either done during a break where I'm not doing anything on guitar, or if I'm playing guitar, my hand is doing the same pattern as my screams. And, like, that's the only way I can do it for some fucking reason. I don't know why. It's hard. Yeah. Independence is hard. I mean, I can't do it at all, dude, so... <laughs> but yeah that's a little fun fact now you now you can listen to the songs and and hear how why some of the patterns are a little a little strange well why don't you just uh get one of those little tc doubler pedals what the fuck is it called the um the loop mimic or whatever. Mm. and just let cooper play the part and you just go hands-free yeah i mean so either that or still be in or stereo throw, throw it in the backtrack or whatever throw it in the backing track yeah. who's gonna know, you know it's a good idea who's gonna know 
get that little headset mic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the Britney Spears oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, that'd be so funny. Honestly, it would make my life infinitely easier, but I can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> dude, we're already wearing like tracksuits and yeah. stuff. So <laughs> fitness. If we're doing baby. that, dude. Yeah, people are going to be like... mafia. Oh, so I, can, I can scream mid-spin, uh, you know? Uh, just like, ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys are one step away from uh, from synchronized dance moves. Yeah. Oh, shit. Choreography <laughs> is up next for sure. Hell yeah. Hey, deathcore bands do that. Yeah. They still do it. That's a thing. Synchronized headbanging? Sure. Shit, man, that looks hard live. Yeah, we don't do that right now, but, I mean, we've we've talked about it in the past with, like, our previous band even, where... We're like, we probably should, because honestly, like, everyone jokes about it being like, oh, like, it's like a pop thing or whatever. But like, I don't fucking care. Like, if it looks cool live, like, who gives a shit, right? You guys are synchronizing musically. What's the fucking difference? Yeah. Well, this is how we all feel at the same time. So let's just all do it. Fuck it. You know that part in the uh, This Is Exile music video at the very yeah. end? In that, <laughs> when they all synchronize headbang in that song, it's so fucking cool. It looks sick. Yeah. So I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And then we just never actually do it. It's well, an like acceptable this. form of synchronized dancing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Get some background headbangers. Like like Pop has back backup dancers. Yeah. Shoo-wop. Bop. Ska yeah. bands have like a, you know, a dancing boy. Just like stage. a circle pit on stage. <laughs> what was the hardest song for you to write on the album for each of you or whatever? I think we both have an answer for this one. Yeah. What's yours? Dissensus. Mm. That was like the one song that I wrote most of. And yeah, it was like, it was a big undertaking. It's like a very cinematic song. So there's like, you know, some big moments in it with choir and orchestra and all that. And then there's a huge 45-second-long orchestral outro at the end. So I definitely didn't go very easy on myself for that one, but I was pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah, my answer is the same. It is Descensus. Oh, really? I thought um, it was going to be Vermin. Yeah. No, Vermin, when I, like, so these two songs that we're talking about are two songs that were written during the pandemic when we couldn't meet up. So Cooper and I both wrote our own tracks. And uh, yeah, Descensus was a hard one for me. Um, we did restructure it when, you know, Cooper first sent it. Um, cause all of us do have different styles of songwriting and, um, like what Cooper had was, was awesome. It kind of just needed to be re reformed and moved around a little bit. So once like we kind of worked on restructuring and adding a few riffs to Cooper's song, it was time to like, you know, get the vocals going and the vocals for that song. I still credit Cooper on because I, didn't really have a concept for it at all. So Cooper uh, gave me a concept to kind of go off of was this movie that he watched called St. Maud. And I was like, I've never seen this movie. I don't know anything about it. So I literally, you know, put the movie on and I sat down and I took notes while I watched the movie and I wrote down specific lines of dialogue and important, you know, vibes and feelings and stuff like that as we went. I had never done that before for a song. So it was a really different challenge for me in that way was to try and incorporate the vibes and the story of this song without it being like super on the nose. To be fair, nobody fucking knows what that song is actually about because I don't think a lot of people have seen that movie. Yeah, A lot of people think that like I said this when we wrote it and I was like, people are going to think we're a Christian band because like the the movie is about like this uh, this like 
born again Christian nurse who has this traumatic experience and she can hear the voice of God in her head and it makes her do crazy, insane things. And I, that's a topic that I can write about all day, really, because <laughs> it's a pretty easy one to write about, like, you know, crazy religious people, like, let's go. So I did that, but the way it can be interpreted is it sounds like we're born again Christians and like, you know, except for like the end line of the middle of the course is like, you know, I talk about God being an omnipotent sociopath. I like that line And that's a lot. kind of, that one. yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of a bait and switch. You set it up. Somebody who's listening to it might be like, am I listening to a Christian band right now? And then you're like, oh, here you go. Nope. Yeah. But it's subtle. <laughs> you're not. It's subtle, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. In a way. Yeah. Some people definitely missed the point of that. Yeah. They did. But it was cool because Cooper will. gave me that, uh, you know, starting point. Because, like, he wrote the song, so he understands the vibe more than I do. So I needed that help. With other stuff that, you know, I've written, I know where I'm going with it. You know, like Vermin, the way I wrote that song was I really liked the sample from Kill Bill when uh, Uma Thurman is in the the bar talking to um, uh, Hattori Hondo, the sword maker. And he's like, why do you need Japanese steel? And she's like, because I have Vermin to kill. And she says it in Japanese. And I was like, I really like the cadence of that line. So I clipped it. And I put it in my session and I kind of like figured out the the tempo of it and kind of a little bit like elastic timed it to suit it. And then I wrote the entire song around that sample. And I was like, well, this song is about Kill Bill now. So that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> there you but, go. Yeah. So it's already set up. But yeah, for Desensus, it was it was hard for sure to not really know where I was going. And it was great to have Cooper help me out. So I will always credit him for the lyrics in that song because it's writing from a prompt. Mm -hmm. You know, really, I just do this because Johnny doesn't watch my movie suggestions. And this is the only way I can get him to do it. <laughs> Fuck, I feel that. He's like, yeah, I'll, no, it's cool. I'll put it on the list, but there's yeah, no I've, list. I've oh, suggested, yeah, I can possibly. I've suggested oh. Hereditary five times. It has not been uh -huh. watched. <laughs> my mom messaged me yesterday and was like, oh, I watched this movie oh called Parasite the other night. You should watch it. And it's I was so like, good. Yo, if my mom is watching Parasite, I think I have to just fucking okay, watch well, it. Okay, well, Parasite's a great movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, I haven't seen Hereditary yet. Get either. on it. But yeah. That's the idea. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fun, too, because it was like giving Johnny the challenge of like, here's a whole movie with layers and layers of themes and pick out what you want out of it. Like, that was the cool idea to me, because there were themes that I saw in the movie that actually weren't in the lyrics. I was like, oh, so it's like it was a very interesting, like, you know, give someone something and then they just kind of take what what they relate to and what, you know, affects them of it. And it makes it more That's personal. because he didn't actually watch the movie. <laughs> he, he read the synopsis. He read the, he read the synopsis. Yeah. The it was like, it really hit me close to home really yeah. deeply. Oh, no, I watched the, the trailer. I watched it all. Baby. Well, didn't you not even really like the movie? I didn't. I yeah. really didn't. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cooper. I didn't. But the themes of the movie were, were great. Yeah. It's like, like I said, it's a layup. That shit is so easy to write about, especially in a metal context. So I just wanted to make it more specific, like borrowing lines of dialogue. The The breakdown call out in that song is from the movie. I shudder to think of those who shun you. 
is a part in the movie where it's in Latin. She's speaking Latin in her head or God is or whatever, you know, she's like schizophrenic and she hears these voices in her head and it says, and she says to the voice, like, I shudder to think of those who shun you. She's talking to God. And then she does heinous shit after that. So I'm like, well, I'm taking that line for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you also have to credit the screenwriter, not just. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Correct. And then <laughs> there's like the sample at the end of the song too. And it's funny because the sample literally is is Gaelish, I think. It's something like Gaelic. Is that the word for it? But it's it's like Welsh or Gaelic for glory to God. And it's like if someone were to translate that, they'd be like, oh, this is a Christian band. But there's like a huge like, double meaning to it, right? Of like, hey, it's glory to God and this person's actually doing terrible shit because they're using religion as a crutch, right? And it's like, I don't know. I thought it was a very interesting uh, if you if you watch the movie up to that point and you hear that part and then what happens after you're like holy yeah, shit it is the <laughs> the coolest moment in the movie as well it is yeah for sure Andrew should answer this question as well I think that the song that was the hardest was either Devoid or Our Scars Devoid itself I don't think was hard but the the road to getting to that song was very hard I would say. Um, because I think we had written one or two ideas that didn't go anywhere. And, okay, here's the thing. Like, I basically put a lot of the timelines on the band, let's say. Like, I'm kind of the one who basically is like, hey, guys, we need this done by this date. Like, I'm the person that does all that shit in the band, like the planning, the organizing, the scheduling. So in doing that, I also stressed myself out. So I think that Devoid was really hard because I was like, we need a new song by X date. That was like my goal I had set for the band. And because of that, we were like trying to write stuff to meet that deadline. And I remember the first one or two ideas we wrote did not go well and we didn't end up releasing them or even finishing the songs. And I was like, fuck, like this shit is approaching fast. Like we, how are we going to do this? Are we going to have to push the release? Blah, 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 blah. But ironically, I think that's kind of when we end up writing some of our best music is when we are under that pressure as shitty as it is for myself and for everyone else in the band. And I'm sure they hate me when I do it. It, in my opinion, produces great results. So we keep doing it. Um, so the road to getting to devoid was quite difficult because of stuff like that. Um, the actual song itself, I think we wrote in a couple of days, but I remember we were all pretty like, Ooh, fuck. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, because of the previous ideas that didn't work out, it was just like making me very nervous. But once we started getting going on that song, it ended up being pretty smooth. Um, and then same for Hypnos, which was, again, the only song of the new collection that the three of us wrote together. For similar reasons, you know, again, we were getting really close to the deadline for the album. Uh, this time around, it was partially self-imposed, but partially also because we had signed with Blood Blast Distribution and we had kind of like said, we want to have an album out on the one year anniversary of the EP. So it was like a very hard deadline. Um, and at that point we had, you know, Vermin and Desensis, which were the songs written by these two guys. And then we finally, you know, quarantine opened back up and we could see each other again. So I was like, oh, fuck yes, I can actually write something. This is awesome. Um, but you know, that was like a week until the deadline I had said is the final call for all songs for the album. So we were like, fuck, we got to write a new song in a very, very short amount of time. But again, because of that pressure, I, in my opinion, Hypnos is probably my favorite song of the uh, new half of the album, let's say. 
I mean, obviously biased because we all three of us wrote that one, so that's probably why it's my favorite. But yeah, I just think we wrote a lot of stuff on that that was a little bit different than things we had done in the past. Um, and I think part of the reason that we ended up doing that was because of these harsh deadlines, because we were just like very determined to make it work. And, you know, it was very stressful at the time, but... I, I don't know. I'm happy with how it ended up. But yeah, basically any song that had like a very hard deadline was were the ones that I think are the most difficult. And then Our Scars was just physically fucking almost impossible to play. <laughs> so there's that too. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah, we fucked you over on that one. <laughs> yeah, it was that one was funny because that song was going fine. Um, I mean, obviously I, I like how the song is. Don't get me wrong. But, like, we had written, like, the first half or whatever, um, and then I think I needed to drive my fiancé somewhere for some reason. So I left Cooper and Johnny at my house, and I was like, yeah, just do whatever you want. I'll be back in an hour. And then I came back, and they had written, like, this whole fucking crazy section that I was like, what the fuck did you guys do? <laughs> like, they literally had, like, a dagger, and they were, like, dragging a dagger across my guitar to, like, make noises and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and then they showed me what they did, and I was like, oh, that sounds sick, but, like, h- how the fuck are we going to do that? And... Uh, I still don't really know how we're going to do that, but we'll it sounds it really cool. Fana basically just walked into a whole pile of shit happening. Yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? Um, but the song sounds sick, but that one was that one was the only one that I would say is like a like literally technically hard to do. But yeah, the other two were harder to write in terms of just stress. Yeah, I love Hypnos, though. It is my favorite one off the new one as well. And yeah. I think we perform well under pressure, as Andrew is saying. Yeah, for better or for worse, I always apologize after the deadlines are met, but they're always met. (laughs) I have to apologize to our artists and everyone involved that is not us consciously (laughs) making these decisions. I'm very sorry. Yeah, oh man. Shout out to Ty and and Connor, every artist we work with, because it's the same for them. I'm like, hey guys, we need a new music video in two weeks. Uh, Let's make it happen. And they're like, ah, okay. Yeah, and we're like, hey Ty, uh, mix all of this. Yeah, here's 120 tracks. Uh, yeah. Make it work. Figure it out, man. Screaming internally. <laughs> Ty, Ty's the best though. Like, shout out to Ty. He, uh, he really deals with us well, even though we send him so much random shit. Because like all three of us like have our own stems that we just send to him, so it's like a fucking nightmare. But I don't know. I, maybe that's just like the weird like YouTuber side of me that uh, just works better under pressure. I don't know if maybe you can relate, Trey, but like. You know, I'm, I'm used to working with like sponsors or whatever, where they're like, hey, here's the product. You have two weeks to do a video. And I'm just like, okay. And I just, I figure it out. Like I have to, I have no choice. So to me, that's the way I'm used to working. And uh, for better or for worse, that's the way I kind of also work within the band. And the other guys kind of have no choice but to go with that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It works for the best in the end. I find that having pressure and deadlines and stuff it just works differently in the creative process like sometimes it helps a lot because it gets you off your ass like sparks some different ways of thinking in your brain um narrows down the process because when you have all the time in the world you're like oh i could come up with 800 different riffs that would fit here or whatever eight you know and then it but then it's like okay but you got to pick one now so maybe narrow it down to three and pick one of those or whatever and um it 
you think that it's not it's going to be worse because you're like oh but what if i had all this time then i could come up with something better or different or or make better choices or whatever and it's usually not the case i usually find yeah. that you finish things in the amount of time that you have to do them whatever that is if it's a year it'll take a year if it's a yeah. if it's t- if it's a week you you do the same so i don't know it's it's just different things because some of the best shit that i've written has taken me a very long time and some of the but same with some of the worst and some exactly. of the best shit just just comes in the in the moment yeah. when you need it well even even one of the new songs that we just finished writing like we wrote the entire song in like fucking 3 hours like start to finish i mean like obviously there's other stuff that needs to be done to it still but like when i say done i mean like the structure and the riffs and drums are done in that amount of time and sometimes that happens and it's great and we're all like oh fuck yeah but sometimes you know there are those times when it's like oh we've been writing for four days and none of us like any of these ideas like what are we going to do um so yeah i don't know having deadlines i think we all agree is very important whether we like them or not sometimes it fucking sucks but yeah i don't know it it definitely helps us to kind of like keep our momentum going and keep moving which i don't it doesn't really have anything to do with the songwriting process necessarily but it affects it directly true true again like since i didn't write some of the songs are on the new half of the album my focus was more like okay well if i can't write the music then I'm going to find other ways to work because I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. Then my process became more of like, how can I make these songs like the the best they can possibly be or the biggest songs we've ever released or whatever. So my focus shifted more to being like, okay, like how are we going to do this music video? What's the music video going to be? Who are we hiring to do the art? When is this going to happen? Who do I need to talk to? How do we get interviews? Like whatever, like all stuff like that. How many googly Um, eyes are there going to be? exactly (laughs) yeah and like that's the the funny thing about like the music video we shot for vermin like we did it all in my parents fucking garage and we just spent like our budget was like a hundred dollars to buy like a roll of green paper and we just literally covered the entire garage in green screen paper and i just filmed it all myself and then we sent it to our friend in california and he edited it all and like you know that's the way that we had to do all these weird little workarounds in in COVID and, you know, it all worked out for the best in the end. Shout out to Patrick. Yeah. Go Patrick. So that brings up another question for me about how much uh, influence and say do people outside of the four of you have on the, on the process at all, if, if at all, like, do you um, ever show anything that you're working on to anyone else and ask for their feedback at any point during the process or is it like closed off until it's release day in terms of the songwriting part not the production or whatever i think mostly like our significant others get to hear it i don't show it to anyone myself so i think there's maybe been like a handful of times where like because there's four of us, sometimes there can be like a tie where two of us like something and two of us don't. So when there's a tie, we show tie. I <laughs> get it. Um, the tiebreaker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so there's been some times where like he, it, it's usually not songwriting. It'll be like, I like there's, okay, here's an easy example. Like for, for one of the songs, there was a part that ha- originally had like a bleh recorded. Right. And, me, I liked the blah. I think Cooper liked the blah, but Johnny and Travis didn't like the blah. So we sent it to fucking Ty, and we're like, "Yo, 
do whichever you think is best because half of us like this, half of this don't. And he was like, I don't like the blight either. And he fucking deleted it. And I was pissed at him forever. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, just for, for things like that, that's That more... was the last decision he ever got to make. <laughs> yeah, and now we're never working with him again. Yeah, there's been like certain things like that where it's, it's more just like smaller things. But I don't think there's ever been a situation where we've sent a song to someone because of like something that was structurally wrong. It's more like... Is is this like specific effect like too overkill or something like that? You know, I just want a vibe check. Sometimes I just want to know how people vibe to this song that isn't within our circle. I have like a handful. I can count on one hand the amount of people that I send new music to that I trust, like their opinion. Like if I'm like I think I like this song, but I don't know if I do. I'll send it to these selected people and be like, just tell me what you think. Because I know that they won't bullshit me, and I don't want—I don't want to be surrounded by yes men. I just want someone to t- tell me if it's bad or not. And uh, I think I've done that for most of the songs that we've done. I just like to get a little vibe from from the homies to know what's going on. Yeah, I often send it to like people who aren't instrumentalists because that is generally our audience is not instrumentalist people. There's just like you know kids or you know vocalists, kids or whatever. Kids screaming in cars and stuff. So I like to know what Doing they vocal think. tutorials in their mom's uh, minivan. So yeah. basically, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like to get those unbiased kind of like don't think about it from like, you know, a, like instrumental side. Just think of it as everything as a whole. So yeah, I have like three people that I send stuff to. And sometimes it dictates it, or like these guys know I'm stubborn, and I'm like, "Well, fuck you," and I just do hey, it anyways. Th- yeah. Hey, what do you think of this? Oh, you don't like it? Well, too fucking bad. It's happening. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, I, I'm just a yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> That's good though. You know, somebody's got to be the asshole. Andrew and I share those duties. Yeah, I think we both are. <laughs> it depends on what what needs to be done i yeah. guess you could say sometimes i'm too critical and i need to stop myself <laughs> do you guys have any working rules within the band in, in terms of the songwriting part like you know i i actually don't even know if this is actually true but you know the the ramones like no more than four chords in a song like kind of working rule or whatever do you guys have anything kind of like that i mean we did I can only think of one thing now, but it's kind of just become a thing that I consciously think of because we've done it so many times is I really consciously want to try to not just end a song with a slower breakdown because we have done that quite a few times. And I'm like, if the part calls for it, sure. But if we can maybe try and think of something else, we should. Don't do tactical nuke every time. (laughs) Exactly. I love that song, but you know, and I think like when we have done those parts, we do them well and that's great. But I just think that we can now do better and we should try to think of something else as opposed to just defaulting to this. I don't know if that's just a rule or just me, you know, being particular, but that's all I can really think of. Besides that, we don't really have rules necessarily i mean one thing that we've done with you know carcosa as opposed to old projects is and this is an andrew thing is we try and keep songs relatively short and before i used to write you know five minute songs and we're like this is too fucking long so now generally our songs are like three and a half minutes about maybe four but generally no like we don't really go over that I guess that's not, like Johnny was saying, that's 
more something that I influenced on the band. Like, just because, like, I think the way that music is going, especially this genre, is, like, you don't really have time to fuck around with people's attention anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, though, because the most popular deathcore song of the year was fucking eight minutes long. But, you know, for the most part... Because of one part. Sure, exactly. But, like, in my opinion... Like, I'm always thinking of what can we do that is going to get someone's attention as fast as possible and then hold their attention for as long as possible. So if that means that the song can only be two minutes because after two minutes I'm no longer paying attention to the song, then we got to end the song at two minutes. Like, not a hard rule, but that's what I always try to suggest to the band. And that's happened, like, many times where I'm like, okay, like, you know, why Why is this verse, like, eight bars long? Like, can we not just do it in six? And, like, would it not be better? And, like, sometimes, you know, it goes both ways, though. Like, sometimes I suggest, like, we chop the song, like, way the fuck down. And then we kind of reach a compromise where Johnny's like, well, no, because, to be fair, he's thinking of vocals and I'm not. And he's like, no, it has to be this long because I'm going to do X, Y, Z thing. And I'm like, okay. But we kind of, like, work within that constraint of trying to make things, like, as short as possible while conveying the amount of information we want to be there. If Happy that medium. makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is all just really a long way of explaining that, you know, ever since Johnny got galled, uh, we've had to scrap <laughs> multiple songs of ours. Uh, unfortunately, we were supposed to release our debut album last fall, but it, it got canceled and uh, we had to rewrite it. It got gonged. <laughs> A lot of people, I think, have gong PTSD from from the songwriting contest, so you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, dude, you saw the prime example of Too Long, really. Before you had the gong, you were sitting through fucking eight-minute songs, man. Yeah. No, I, I thankfully put a hard cap on the songs at four minutes. Oh, yeah, it's four required. minutes. So right, four right, right, minutes. right, right, right. They felt longer. And they they felt longer. And people um, complained about the four minute limit. They're like, oh, how am I supposed to write a good song in four minutes? And I'm like, you definitely. What the fuck kind of a question is that? Like, only 20 minute songs are good? Like, people, oh, God, some people think that long equals better. And. Dude, Stairway to Heaven, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Freebird. Ever fucking heard of it? Ever heard of fucking Freebird? There are some songs that are a minute and a half long that are some of my favorite songs ever. And it's like, there's like somehow so much information in such a short amount of time that to me it doesn't feel like it's a minute and a half because I'm fully invested the entire time. That is way more important than it being long for no fucking reason. Yeah, but this guy also loves colors. Yeah. So it's like, you know. I have a very, I don't understand myself, so I don't know. The duality of man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like, I like long songs if the purpose of them being long makes sense. Like, yeah, for sure. What is it? Like the, the longest single that's ever been released was Time, I think, by Pink Floyd. You know what I mean? Like that, that was a whole different era of music where like people liked experiencing longer songs and that's just how people consume music was they bought albums and they listened to them in such a long format but like, dude, like Andrew and I are on fucking TikTok, man. Like, mm-hmm. we get thirty seconds of your time, and hopefully, we get you. Yeah. And that kind of translates to the music as well. Is like, hopefully, we can pull you in yeah. with a you know three minute song or whatever. But you know, attention spans get shorter, and that makes our job um, a little bit harder. But I like it. It doesn't. It doesn't though. Like, it makes it harder. But I think that it may it forces us to produce better results because we know 
that if we fuck up and we don't grab your attention, we're fucked. There's no way around that. Like, if you don't get someone's attention almost instantly, yeah. like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, even a plague, like, technic- like I remember the intro to a plague used to be definitely way longer than it was because, like, that intro, um, you know, clean section. Like, it sounds really sick, and, like, we originally had it longer because it, like, created the vibe for the song, and we ended up chopping it, like, directly in half because, like, I think what originally happened was the clean section happened and then the clean section happened again but with the chant on top and then it went into the breakdown mm-hmm. and we changed it so that there was no clean by itself. It was a clean and a chant immediately just to, like, get to the point faster. So that 30-second section ended up being, like, 10 seconds and there's a chant over top, like, there's some kind of top line, like, it's not in English, so people are like, what the fuck are they saying? And then it just hits you with the breakdown as soon as you're, like, about to be bored of it. I don't know. I, I like to keep things moving, I guess. Yeah. Honestly, I applaud Lorna Shore for literally having, like, the biggest song of, you know, the year in our genre be such a long song. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. An absolute anomaly. It basically yeah. just, like, kind of threw everything that we have been talking about out the window in yeah. one fucking song. But that <laughs> song also builds up to a very specific moment that people mm-hmm. wait for. So they will listen to the whole song over again just to get to that part, which is also very smart. It's it's genius, really. Um, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever write a song that, that that's that long, though. I don't want I, to. Yeah, really. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. No. Well, for me, long songs are fine as long as it's not just a bunch of random shit tacked onto it for no reason. Like, because then it could be a bunch of shorter songs. Yeah. It's long for self-indulgent reasons. If you're still, if you're being taken on a journey and everything is done very intentionally and parts come back in a way kind of like, like a movie, like Lord of the Rings is long, like fucking, you watch the extended cut of whatever and they're four hours each, but it's not just like, it's not like they introduce a new character and they, the character isn't there for any reason and they never come back. You know what I mean? It's if they, you've got a character, they're going to play an important role at some point later on in some of the events that happen leading up to this epic moment Mm-hmm. You know when they when he throws the fucking ring in the fire. Sorry, I, re- I spoiler spoiler. <laughs> all right, if, <laughs> but like that sort of thing. It's okay if it's long if it's long for a reason. And the local band approach is like, oh, but w- w- Steve also wrote a sick intro, so let's tack that on the front. Yeah. yeah. So then we have intro number two. And then we'll have Phil's riff to kick it off. We got to jack the tempo up 10 BPM, though, and then back 10, 10 more down when we go yeah. to the next. And it's yeah. just like, kill, fucking kill me. Yeah, uh, for sure. Hanging on ideas for too long is, yeah. is a huge gripe. Like yeah. watching your songwriting contest, that was like one of the number one things was people writing a riff, fucking loving it so much yeah. that it's half the song. Yeah. And you're like, dude, this isn't a song. This is a riff. Either that or going the other way where it, it, it drives me equally as crazy if someone introduces an idea that I'm like, oh, that, like, let's say it's a riff. That riff is really cool. But then they never do never anything with back. it. Like, it, it's like, oh, this was not even a verse riff, so it never repeats. It's just like a, a riff that is there once. And it's like, fuck, that should have been your verse right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, a good example of like a fucking awesome riff that I'm glad repeats is um, Aphids, uh, Spirit aphids. Box, Aphids. Yeah. 
that main riff in that song is so fucking good. I'm glad it comes back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Mike is such a good songwriter. It's just like this one comes back and it's a verse again. You know, like it's it's just a good way to good way to think. Or even just like teasing an idea that comes back later. Like just like just have some some reason why the thing is there. Like if you can't explain why the riff is there, then like maybe it shouldn't be in the song. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! There you go. That's uh, words of wisdom out of the <laughs> out of the not theory guy. But wow. you, you know, you get it. I try. Yeah, you get That's it. That's great. Fucking gold, gold boys. <laughs> Fucking gold. So that we're not running the risk of the same problem that we're just talking about. Um, I think we'll uh, we'll get one more because um, this has all been very dense and interesting and great and i love that we're on the same page i love just hearing my own opinions just sent back to me <laughs> love the echo chamber exactly this love the cherish echo the echo chamber we're just talking about how that's a bad thing a little while i don't think no so. shut up <laughs> sorry you sorry. were in the bathroom oh okay so kind of where are you going to take this next and is there anything that you did on this one that you're for sure not going to do on the on the next one because there was you know something about it that you that you didn't like or didn't work or whatever and what you know moving forward now with the songwriting process is there anything that you're going to change well i think like we say this every time but hopefully this is the last time we have to do remote writing and we can actually write together which has been the goal all along but the world is making that very difficult for us so that would be fucking awesome um you know we're already making good progress on that with like the new things we wrote we we did write them all together so hopefully that continues uh the only other thing i would say we're never going to do again as much as i loved having all those guest vocalists on our thing this isn't like anything to do with them being bad or anything like that purely from a technical standpoint we realized how fucking hard it is to re-release a song on streaming platforms because I guess nobody really knows this, so maybe maybe this is useful to some of you, but it, like, fucks your statistics up completely. So, like, when we re-released, like, you know, we have a song, Vantablock. Let's use that for an example. Like, the original version of that song had, like, 100,000 plays, and then we re-released the song with guest vocals, but like Spotify was all confused about it because they were like, oh, this is the same fucking song. So it like reset our analytics on the original version. So it had zero. But then the new version we just released had 100K, which obviously is not possible because like it didn't have 100K in two seconds. So <laughs> not to do the songwriting, but anyone out there. And that's also not DistroKid's fault, by the way. We love No, it's Kids. just, well, yeah. And we didn't even use DistroKid for didn't. this one. Yeah. Um, but oh, it's do. just like a, it's just a, a, uh, I don't know, like a weird technical issue where streaming platforms get very confused if you release the same thing twice. So think twice before you do it. I'm glad it worked out for us, but I don't want to go through the headache of doing that again. Yeah, we're definitely not doing old shit again. We're going all new from here. But like in terms of a guest, yeah, in terms of a guest vocalist, if I wrote a part specifically for someone in mind, I I might do that. Um, I don't the really... Redux thing was a little harder than anticipated, let's say. For sure, yeah. That was definitely difficult. But I love the end product, and I loved all the people that we worked with. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I still... I really like the way that we work, so I don't really want to change that dynamic necessarily. I do, like, for the next thing we do in terms of, like, a concept, I do want to try and write 
a theme more that we can build around and really have it as like the central point of what we're doing and have a reoccurring theme. Uh, Cause that shit gets me excited. I love reoccurring themes. I say this all the time. I love stuff coming back. It's like my favorite thing ever. So I want to try and do that on whatever we do next. And that's kind of all I really have in mind. Besides that, just kind of keep doing what we're doing. Try and, you know, like we said before, sub- subvert expectations on some stuff. Maybe I try some different things vocally. You know, maybe we do some different things on guitar like we were talking about with pitch changes and, you know, all that crazy stuff. But I don't know. Kind of just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of just want to go deeper with everything we've got. I think that's what we are all on the same page with is, is you know, I don't think we necessarily have have problems or many issues with what we did with anthology more so just like hey like we like that we did that and we want to take that a little bit further and explore that more and uh yeah i don't know yeah it was also really interesting just i I think any i'm sure maybe even other bands you've already talked to have said this but like releasing your second thing is almost like harder than your first one because then you have expectations as weird as that sounds whereas like the first thing you ever release you have no idea if it's going to do well or not well or no one will give a shit or whatever like whatever happens happens but in our case we were very lucky and the first thing we did did do really well so then we were like whoo fuck how do we make sure to do that again or even bigger so it was interesting because we got not only from from like a analytical standpoint but from also a songwriting perspective we already had five songs or six songs under our belt. So then, you know, we were like, okay, the way we did those six songs worked, like, what are we going to do this time? And now we've done it kind of another different way. So it's kind of, it's interesting because now we have a balance of the second way we did things and the first way we did things. And we can now kind of pick and choose which aspect of which process we liked better. That's a really roundabout way of saying, I don't fucking know. We just, <laughs> we just go and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like releases go, like, you know, personally, I was loving like the knocked, the knocked loose EP where you have like the really cool, like experimental format of like doing an EP and then a cool, like visualizer with it, which tied the whole story together. It was like, I think that was my highlight of 2021. Uh, music releases so i don't know just doing cool stuff like that that's just a little bit different and yeah i do think that what you mentioned as well what knock loose did is going to be a huge influential thing for a lot of bands is writing a concept and having a visual aspect to it as well like turnstile too, doing their record right like they had a full visual thing for all of their songs as well which i think is fucking awesome it, it it beats making five music videos. <laughs> For sure. But it kind of goes back to the ironic thing of like what we were just talking about where we're like, we need to be short, fast, to the point, attention needs to be short, blah, blah, blah. But then we're also like our favorite things this year was like a five song concept EP that had a 20 minute music video or like a Viljarda album that was literally 18 songs in 75 minutes. Like it's very fucking <laughs> ironic because the way that we operate our band in a way is like the opposite of what ends up being a lot of our favorite things it's it's fucking weird man i don't know we take pieces of what we want yeah. and apply it to us yeah so i don't know but yeah i would agree i think we definitely want to do probably another ep and probably another concept but we'll see what happens um yeah and then just more 
more shit and hopefully more live shows, but who fucking knows? I was reminded of another, hopefully a quick question, that was actually the first one that I thought of, uh, which is, it's your first album, why did you call it Anthology? Uh, <laughs> that's that's a Johnny question right there. That's usually that like 40 question. years into your into your career. It's the it's the compilation of your number one hits. It's called Anthology. <laughs> Carcosa, Anthology, 40 years in death. Just really jumping the gun there. Uh, uh, I, I can't even it. remember what the first pitched name was for the album, but I was incredibly adamant and stubborn. Fucking no shit, hey? about calling it anthology because all of the new songs that we wrote like devoid dissensus hypnos you know all that they were all about different movies or stories that were all separate from each other which in is basically the definition of an anthology <laughs> so i was like we're calling it anthology because yeah yeah it's a bit confusing because it had the other ep and you know, at the tail end of it, which is uh, a concept record that is all the same story, but all of the new stuff were different things. Um, like I wrote Hypnos about the Hypnos story, H.P. Lovecraft, which is di like directly told that story, basically. And then, yeah, you know, Desensus is St. Maud, Vermin is fucking Kill Bill, and then Devoid, I don't even remember what I wrote it about. I wrote it around the DS era. The entire song is written around the DS era. Um, yeah, which is which was crazy, but yeah, anthology. That's why. Shit, I feel like we should have talked about that a little bit more, but we'll talk about it only, another time. <laughs> there's only so many hours in the day, and we've used up two of them now. Just now, we just passed. As you said that, we crossed over to um, wow. two hours worth of podcast. And um, and as you know, the podcast police are now on their way. They're like two hours. He's going over. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so this was truly great super fun time hanging out with you boys and learning all this stuff about how you created this awesome album of course which is now on all streaming services um anybody who hasn't heard it yet obviously you should go and listen to it <laughs> if your interest isn't peaked after listening to this for two hours we don't long, know what to tell I you i don't know what to tell you <laughs> oh my god just, just us just us telling you we don't know what the fuck we're doing for two hours <laughs> I don't know shit about fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved hearing about the the process and uh, the final product came out great. So I'm excited to hear you do it again. And uh, it, it, actually, it'll even be better once um, you guys tell Andrew that there's actually pitch shift built into every guitar. <laughs> so <laughs> what you do is you you shorten the strings by yeah. uh, holding down. And oh. the pitch shifts. It's amazing. Yeah, but that's the wrong oh. way. You need to go, go in the wrong way. He yeah, won't go see. down, not that's up. That's the issue. Oh. See, no. What you need to do is you actually need me to then tell to program 500 MIDI patches that change the note <laughs> one time. And then, you, and then yeah. you're good. You don't have to worry about it ever again. Great. Yeah. And then I'm like, hey, Cooper, where's my, can you plug my MIDI cable in for me? Hey, my, uh, my fucking piece my of shit. A sharp <laughs> negative seven pitch shift didn't work yeah. in that one part of Hypnos. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, your fault. Everybody's like, I really like that dissonant part that you added in the song. <laughs> like, yeah, the pitch shift didn't go off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, and congratulations on all of your success. Um, I can't wait for the second Forbes article about you um, <laughs> when you're all living in your um, mansions in Canada. Deathcore content house, baby. Yeah. 
But yeah, thanks for having us on. This is fucking yeah, super sick. Absolutely, guys. And um, I'll talk to you all real soon. I'm going to go over to the other uh, the other screen and uh, and close the call. So I will catch you all on the flippy floppy. Oh, yeah. Sounds well, thanks good, so much dude. for having us again, my man. Talk to you all very soon. Thank See you. you. Thank you yep. for taking the time. Bye. See ya. Thanks so much to Carcosa for being my guests today, and thank you to you for listening to today's episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast. Be sure to subscribe for weekly episodes. It's available on all podcast platforms. And thank you so much to today's sponsor, DistroKid. The best way to get your music on the internet, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash GG for 7% off your first year of membership. And to learn more about songwriting from me, go to howsongsaremade.com.